What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Thank you for listening to Armchair Producers. This is just a reminder that you can go over to twitch.tv slash thefriedbrain every Wednesday evening at around 8 o'clock, and you can listen to us live, and you can actually also donate to us if you'd like. It does help support the channel, keep things running. I am undertaking the uh, perhaps misguided uh, <laughs> task of, of um, pursuing some uh, further education in my... Oh. Middle, middle this is a, this is an original way to have a middle midlife crisis i think i mean i'm no way patches and i don't i can't afford an mg so um, <laughs> so, um i'm going to work well, because they're kind of crappy now mt so maybe i could afford one um yeah well they make really crappy um you know little four-wheel drives um but i maybe i can i'm gonna go on back to uni and studying psychology and criminology again i started this week and it's a bit weird it's a bit weird being on campus with people who are, I'm old enough to be their parent. Um, <laughs> so um, that's, and uh, as I, my Facebook followers uh, will be aware, I've learned something this week. Bucket hats, they're back. <laughs> I don't know we ever, we ever missed them terribly much. I know I didn't, but um, they're back and they're bad. And uh See, when, they, I think, they... when I think of bucket hats, I instantly just think of my mind jumps to um, uh, the offspring and then straight away to Crazy Taxi. Well, offspring's an interesting choice. I don't recall them ever wearing. I'm thinking more like, you remember that song, You Get What You Give? You Only Get What You Give? It was a really, really big hit. It was in a car out a couple of years ago. But oh, anyway. no, you know who I'm thinking of? I'm thinking of Weezer. Uh, maybe no, Weetus. Weetus from Teenage Dirtbags. Yes, fame. that's yeah, the one. That's there we go. Off, off, I'd like to apologise to the offspring. Yes, for I am a big fan of offspring. Um, yeah, um, I've seen the <laughs> offspring live before, and I'm not keen for that to change. Uh, I haven't again anytime soon. But they did a little bit of a Weetus. That's true. It's true. It, it, um, anyway, um, <laughs> that means I, I I have a little bit less time now. I have actual homework to do. I have to read academic. Yeah, yeah you've got to do stuff now. Do, do stuff and like, well, you know, um, that might be seen as a good thing, but it does uh, does eat up one's time a little bit. But I still found time to watch this week's movie and our um, continuing quest on uh, Marvel uh, Marvel's WandaVision. Yes, yes, absolutely. We are up to, we've watched the penultimate episode. We've got one more episode and then it's like a week and a half before the new Marvel TV show of um, uh, Falcon, Falcon and, and the Winter Soldier comes out. And then it's... And they dropped the thing, an announcement this week about all their upcoming shows. Did you see that? Uh, no, what was it they were talking about? They did a whole drop. They just dropped a whole list of stuff at their... Oh, that one that goes into like 2025 or 26. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they've got a lot of stuff. (laughs) A lot of stuff coming out. Um, We'll have a look at that. We can come back. I'll be interested in hearing some of your thoughts because Mm. there were some some, some IPs on there, shall we say, that Mm. I wasn't instantly familiar with. And I'm curious that you can um, Mm. give us and maybe um, the audience some insight as to what you think about um, those shows. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, should we jump straight into it and start talking about our chain movie of the week, Only the Brave? Yes, please. And let's do something original and start with a synopsis. 
Let's go for it. I shall, I shall read it out here. Um, so the Black Label Media, which is one of the production companies on it, uh, simply put, based on the true story of the Granite Mountain Hotshots, a group of elite firefighters who risk everything to protect a town from a historic wildfire. That sums it up pretty well, really. It does. It's not particularly deep film. Um, it's not, is it? Now, I I had vaguely heard of this before. I recall it coming out, I think, mm. and sort of I don't think it got a particularly wide release in Australia. Mm. Um, and I think I saw, you know, it was one of those things I've talked about a lot of times where you roll up to the movies sometimes. Well, I don't, but because um, I buy my tickets before I get there because I'm a weirdo. Um, <laughs> but, you know, people who roll up to the cinema and see something on the, on the screen and go, do we want to see the movie with Josh Brolin in it who I've never heard of? Or do I want to see Fast and the Furious 72? I know what Fast and the Furious 72 isn't going to see that. I had no idea what this really was, and it looked kind of cliche and kind of dull. So Mm -hmm. I kind of ripped it off um, and never thought about it again um, until you mentioned it last week. I was like, oh, that firefighting thing. Yeah. I um, would like to formally apologize to Joseph Kaczynski, Sean Flynn, Ken Nolan, and Josh and Miles and everyone involved with this production because – uh, I give it a massive disservice by sort of jumping to that conclusion and writing it off because this is a why I, I started out saying I don't think this is a particularly deep film. I don't mm-hmm. think it is. It is what it says it is, but mm-hmm. it pulls it off at such a high standard, the quality of what they're doing. It does something simple, but it does it incredibly well. Yes, absolutely agree. Um, so th- this this movie is, you know, for, for people who don't know, ma- they may know the name Joseph Kaczyns- Kaczynski. He is most notable for Tron Legacy, Oblivion, um, and he's doing Top Gun Maverick at some I point this like, year. I would like to point out that he has a credit here for a Taco Bell Web of Fries video short, which is essentially a Taco Bell commercial, um, which I actually found on watched on YouTube. And it's very good. Um, <laughs> as Taco Bell commercials go, I don't have a great deal of contact. I, I, I don't know if anyone has a list of, like, top five Taco Bell adverts, but I'm sure there should be one. <laughs> um, this one has, like, he um, uh, had incredible uh, production values. They're like Josh Duhamel in it. Um, Damn. And, okay. and, yeah, it... Um, was it's it like one of those um, Super Bowl style adverts? Yeah, it was like, it was like an action movie kind of in like yeah. two minutes of like, you know, the fact that um, uh, Taco Bell sell fries now and everyone else is trying to stop them because their fries are so delicious. <laughs> this summer, the Fry Nation gets upturned. Pretty Taco much. Taco Bell. <laughs> yeah. Um, so anyway, you, I'd never heard of him, but like I'd seen Oblivion. Mm. Uh, and that's solid. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's fair to say based on it, the, certainly the his most recent movies of Tron, Oblivion, and this. He's a very capable director, but he's certainly Oblivion um, and Tron Legacy. They were marred by a lot of ideas that were never properly fulfilled. And I think he did himself a good job of really streamlining it and just telling one specific story, which... Sounds a bit a, funny when you're talking about a group of people and just one particular story, but but it's not a special effects film as well, which is yeah. And Oblivion were very CGI heavy films. Mm-hmm. I mean, don't oh, get me yeah. wrong, there are CGI at work here, but it's 
you're not going to see this for the spectacle. Yeah, absolutely. Um, whereas I think maybe the other two films, you you know, Tron and Oblivion in particular, you're going to see the spaceships and the the, the, the cycle things in Tron. And... Cycle things. Light cycles, sir. Light I've, cycles. I've never seen any of the Tron films. <gasps> Well, we have a good connection to get us to the original know, Tron in this movie. But I can, we're not going there. So Damn you. <laughs> um, I'm being a bit selfish on this one. I don't want to watch Tron. It looks silly. <laughs> it is, but that's part of the beauty of it. But anyway, back to Only the Brave. So I'll tell you that for probably about 60% of this movie, I was a little bored because it's a very slow burner. You, it invests a lot of time showing you little bits of a group of very quintessential American men that are working in the, the, the emergency services and like how pretty much all of them seem to weigh the career and the job they do more than any other relationship in their life. Um, and I think it's to the credit of Josh Brolin and Jennifer Connelly in how they play their scenes together, just showing the subtle difference and the, a, a genuine kind of adult grown-up relationship where there's trouble and difficulty and that two people who are aware, who have gone through a lot of shit and they're trying to measure that against their own wants and needs versus this is what you need to do and stuff like that. Um, they they have this very unified front, especially when they're around the um, the Granite Mountain hotshots. And then you do get you do see more of these cracks and difficulties in their relationship later on, which it works out nicely the way that those cracks get a little bit more revealed to the finale and just how that would feel for someone. Um, Similarly, um, Miles Teller's uh, Brendan, he is shown very kind of quintessential young guy, thrown out, spiraling out of control, basically just being entirely the wrong kind of person and then finding a reason. It's There's a lot of paint by numbers kind of thing. It's not, again, it's not doing any of those characters aren't being done with any sort of degree of um, originality. It's nothing you haven't seen before. Uh, and here I was thinking we're going to be welcoming our co-host. Uh, Sorry. On the <laughs> no, it was um, just me hearing things. Um, there's nothing you haven't seen before in any of these characters. It's pretty standard stuff. Mm, yeah. Um, you know, the we, we redemption arc of, of, you know, Miles Teller's Brandon versus, mm. you know, the the stoic, you know, leader of, you know, Josh Brolin's Eric, mm. uh, Eric Marsh. Uh, it's it's nothing we haven't seen before. But mm-hmm. where, what I, and I would continue to say the film probably isn't something we haven't seen before, but what mm. it does that we don't see often, mm. it leads on from what you said earlier, it's a slow burn. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't jump smack you around the face with mm-hmm. action and explosions in from from a first moment it's not backdraft or anything like that the ron howard yeah. film which is massively overrated uh, like everything <laughs> everything pretty much everything ron howard's ever done um except for apollo 13. um but this, one, this actually spends some time with these characters what a novel and original idea mr mm-hmm. um um yeah uh, kaczynski. Uh, mr kaczynski like some time time of characters why do you, you you want us to care about them or something yeah um, so we take some time we get to know Brandon and his struggles a little bit. 
we get to know quite a bit about uh, Josh Brolin's Eric uh, as the mm-hmm. you know, super, super, they call him super, isn't it? Super, super, yep. superintendent. I'm not sure exactly what that's short for. And and, and, and there are some missteps, I think, early in that, in that process mm-hmm. in the sense that we do get under the covers a little bit with some of the politics of yeah. firefighting in the United States. Like we have some scenes between Josh Brolin and Jeff Bridges. Jeff Bridges being kind of like a, what, a county supervisor of some kind or county yeah. fire marshal or something. And the uh, the mayor, I didn't forget his name, but um we we um we we get that sort of we get under the covers there a little bit and um a lot of the time I'm sitting there going, we're sort of throwing names. Oh, they're hot shots, hot shots, hot shots, do this. Mm. And, you know, you're not hot shots. I'm like, what the fuck's a hot shot? Mm. I, I've never heard of that before. I, the only thing, one of the things I walked away from watching this film was like, I didn't even know if we have people in Australia who do what these guys do. Yeah. That's, I've that never, was, yeah. I've never seen the, them do it. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's certainly, certainly, they don't, certainly don't have. I guess you'd call it prestige that the hotshots apparently do in in communities for this because it's a, it seems to be a big thing when they get their certification to be proper hotshots and not second tier or whatever it is they ref, are referred to. Um, we, didn't, we, we never get an explanation about that. Like, there's no yeah. we just dumped into the believable world of being a a wildfire fighter, mm. um, and you know we start to see the struggles of being yes, you know, they start out. Um, the, the hot shots, the Granite Mountain hot shots before their hot shots are a second tier team, mm. and despite their skill uh, and their experience, they are forced to take a back seat to you know people who are designated hot shots, and they are fighting mm. to to get that classification. And the town's like, oh, we're not sure. Do yeah. we really need our own team of hot shots? And like, and maybe this all makes sense to one who lives in the the southwest of the United States. Yeah. You know exactly what a hot shot is, what they do, mm. but. To me, it was it was a little. That was one of my 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 complaints. It was a little annoyed, and I was a little bit mm. taken out. Going, do I need to get my phone out and Google what a hot shot is? Yeah. Um, I mean, it, yeah, okay. Look, it doesn't take a, a brain surgeon to figure it out over time, and we get there. But I'm like, there's so much jargon being thrown around at points mm-hmm. early in the film that that does take some patience to get through. I think it's worth persisting though. Is that later on down the track when they actually do become hot shots, mm. we have a sense of this is something pretty important and this is a yeah. pretty big deal. And we've been on the struggle with them to a degree. We've been on yeah. board, we've seen them, you know, struggling to, and then we know how much they want this and how important it is. And we know something about why it's important to them, other than to go, mm. someone wakes up in the morning and goes, gee, I really wish I was a hot shot. Fantastic. Yeah. You're, you know, this film both shows and tells us why it's important. Mm. Like that. Yeah. Um, and more than that, so we, we actually spend time with, with also a number of the team members of mm. Hot Shots beyond um, Brandon and Eric, who we know are probably going to be our, our protagonists, but we get mm. to know some of the team as well. And mm. while we don't spend masses of time with them, but I feel that like we get to know them enough that yeah. um, by the time the fit hits to Shan or starts mm-hmm. to hit to Shan, we care about these characters. I'd very much agree with that. Um, I think one of the the failings of this movie is that the way that it's kind of advertised, uh, the the presentation of the of the posters and the, the even the trailer that um, I've put into the chat for anyone who um, is interested, um, it kind of feels like they're 
pushing a little too close to that kind of Top Gun kind of vibe when that's not what this movie is. It does it, this, a little bit, doesn't it? And that's kind of it, ironic considering he's directing when you talk it, about yeah. it. Yeah. And it just, it feels, it's it's a disservice because whereas Top Gun, it was made and became a very, very useful um, marketing and um, recruiting tool, this could kind of actually be a more sincere, honest version of that in some ways. Obviously, it is, it is a tragic story, um, but it, it kind of shows off that life quite well. Like it, everything about the the fact that it seems to be when they get the certification to become hot shots it but it seems to be a big thing in the community and the brotherhood that is on display between them it definitely you know for, even for for someone like me who's never been interested in joining any kind of service such I as think it is anyone like you've never been interested in joining full stop that's, that probably speaks us both of us. We not do you think we'd be doing this if we were joined? Sorry to interrupt you. No, it's all right. But it's um, it it. I've lost my train of thought now. Damn you and your joke. <laughs> you um, worked. <laughs> you were sort of saying you make an interesting point. And you use the word there, but I think it's important. That word is brotherhood. Mm. Um, and you know the film that this probably at times most reminded me of mm. um was Warrior. Uh, yeah, another, another film, and, and not necessarily because of a content matter or any of that nature, in the sense that Warrior was a film that completely flopped when it was mm. released. Complete flop. Uh, because they didn't know how to advertise it. Yeah. And they tried to sell it to people as a MMA yeah. fighting movie, a, yeah. a Rocky almost, you know, like Rocky with MMA. Yeah. And that's not what that film is. No, that film's something completely different. And the funny thing is, it's found a new life on um, on streaming and I guess DVD because it's a little bit old now. Mm. Um, and pretty much to a person you meet, and I think men particularly, mm. to a person, people you meet who who see this film, uh, they love it. Like I, I've never met anyone who didn't like Warrior. Uh, mm. And the amount of times you hear the same conversation with people I meet day to day, and they go, "I saw that film Warrior last night. You recommended." I loved it. That was not what I was expecting at all. I was expecting mm. it to be Rocky with MMA, but it turned out to be all about that relationship between yeah. the Tom Hardy and Joel Edgerton. Was it Joel Edgerton? Yeah. Um, and, you know, and they're, again, in their relationship, their dad, Nick Nolte, and it was mm. that triangle of relationships which really formed mm. the core of the film. It just happened that MMA was the wrapping paper they put it in. Yeah. Um, and, and for men, I feel like that that's actually really quite unusual to you. a film about relationships and a film about male relationships. Mm-hmm. They are not common. No, they don't make really. them, you know, like we don't want to see him. I mean, Hollywood doesn't think we want to see a movie and maybe they're right. Considering these films flop mm. um, that we don't want to see a movie where male relationships are explored that deeply. And, you know, have that many emotions are stirred up in their audience. They want to see, you know, these are going family. Or whatever it is he does in that movie, you know, like family, um, honor, respect, hustle, loyalty. No, that's John Cena. <laughs> um, well, isn't he in it now? He will. He's not. He will. Yeah, be he's in the next one. Uh, um, <laughs> so, um, and that's what kind of re- where I was feeling halfway through the film, particularly as you saw in that mm. moment, you know, to where they all once they became hot shots, and you really start to feel those bonds mm. grow between the team members. Um, it really strongly reminded me 
of 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 worry in a sense that this is a big part of a film at least mm. is about that brotherhood that comes with being part of something bigger than yourself with other men yeah. um and i think this is a good thing this is not a film that's excluding women um there aren't that many female roles in it that are any good other than jennifer Connolly. she mm-hmm. gets some good stuff to do but um that, that films about male relationships are a bit rare and i think there should be mm-hmm. more of them and i enjoyed that aspect of this film very very much agreed agreed and it was and it, building up to the end it, i think that it was the the slow pace of the first two-thirds of the movie was very important to really deliver the the punch that is the end um, and to make you feel how uh, the character Brendan would feel in the, in the situation that he finds himself in. And it's, it's a tragic scenario. And um, I think that in lesser quality actors hands and a more kind of, <laughs> for lack of a better term, hotshot style bravado to it. If there had been more of that, it wouldn't have worked. It would have felt very, very wrong. You said it would have been Top Gun with firefighters instead of mm. um, fighter pilots. And no, yeah. you're 100 right. If, if, I mean, and again, I watched this, and I hadn't, and I was, I, I knew nothing mm. about this film other than it was about firefighters. Yeah. Um, and, but when Miles Teller popped up, and I'm like. He's playing a meth addict in this film. Mm. He looks very different to any yeah. other film. Yeah, he does. He's playing a very, very different character to a type of character he played before, which is kind yeah. of young, precocious, talented, smart, you know, um, kind of, you know, confident characters. Mm. Uh, whereas, of course, he's kind of the exact opposite in this, in the sense he's got yeah. basically no self-esteem at all. Yeah. Um, and and you mentioned before he finds his motivation to try and do better, which is nice, if not original. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, again, I was reminded how good an actor and how how well-rounded an actor Miles Teller is because I think he pulled off every aspect of his role in this film. He, I, agree. I was completely convinced by his transformation from mm-hmm. a, a, a a listless, you know, worthless drug addict, waste yeah. of a human being in, in, in a drug addict at the start through to being the character we see by the time the finale rolls around. Mm. And the way he handles his part of that finale is is brilliant and convincing and yeah. incredibly moving. Um, and I was 100% on board with his journey. And I, I mean, we talked mm-hmm. about it last week. But it's like, how does he not get more work? Yeah. Is it because he doesn't want to work? Uh, yeah. Is it because Fantastic Four sucked and he talked out, spoke out about Josh Trank being a dick? I mean, uh, didn't everybody say Josh Trank was a dick? I think, I think we can agree now. Yeah. Josh Trank's probably a dick. Um, probably, yeah. Is it because he picks shitty roles? Because if you look at what happened after Fantastic Four, we have Allegiant. Uh, I don't think those films are very good. Get I a think job. that Allegiant's situation was probably more contractual obligation. <laughs> um, uh, get a job, which I've never even heard of. Um, mm-hmm. War Dogs, which wasn't good. Bleed for this, never heard of it. Never Thank heard. you for your service, never heard of it. Only the Brave, which we're talking about today. Too old to, to die young, never heard of it. And that's it. So since yeah. Fantastic Four, one, two, three, four, five, six features, seven if you count Maverick, which is in the can. Mm-hmm. We just know it's not it's ready to go. It's just not being released because yeah, COVID. So six and or seven you, features yeah. in six, seven years is not many. 
Yeah, and you look at the movies that are upcoming for him. Um, he's got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight movies in there, and only one of them is a franchise piece, which is very unusual in the modern day cinema scape. We've got Top Gun, and that's arguably a franchise because this is just the second movie. <laughs> it, but um, it's a Tom Cruise movie, yeah, so it's pretty a Tom Cruise franchise. I mean, Otherwise. It's it's Escape from Spiderhead, which will be a Ark Netflix and... movie he's doing of Hemsworth, which is yeah. okay, I guess. But the Ark and the Aardvark, the Fence, Flag Day, Not Without Hope, After Exile, and the Life and Times of the Stopwatch Gang. Like, okay, maybe he's just very selective about what roles he takes. And look, I mean, if that's how that's what it is, and you know what, more power yeah. to him. I'm sure he got paid very very nicely for his role in the Fantastic Four. Um, I at least I hope he did for that piece of shit. Um, <laughs> so you know, I'm, yeah, you're a, <laughs> a, a big time movie star, and I think Miles Teller is. I'm um, sure so you get so. well paid, and maybe he just works on stuff he's interested in. Yeah, that happens maybe. out there, right? And good luck to him. I just feel like on uh, the kind of quality mm. of his role on on in this film, I feel like he deserves more prestige roles if that's what he wants to work. Um, he's he's a I remember the first film, I think I mentioned last week, the first mm. film I saw him in was The Spectacular Now, which was, I think was his breakout role. Mm. And I was really impressed with both him and Shailene Woodley in that film, but how mm. good they were. And I thought, these guys are going to be big stars. Mm-hmm. Shailene Woodley did get her franchise and yeah, it didn't yep. go well. Uh, you don't see a lot of her anymore. Um, I, I, I would just hope that that doesn't happen to Miles because I think he was he was outstanding in this film. Mm. Uh, and I guess to step sideways, how good is Josh Brolin? Josh Brolin is really a solid actor, although I will say that he is skirting a line at the moment, and partly because of casting, but also just because of the way that he is growing up. He is just... I don't know whether it's because of Men in Black 3, but he is becoming so much like Tommy Lee Jones, and he sounds so much like him in so many of his movies. It's like, okay, this is weird. He's fantastic, I so. but I can just see him as a young Tommy Lee Jones doing this role as well. It's it's weird. <laughs> I think he takes himself less seriously seriously than Tommy Lee Jones. When he, like stuff like Dead, Deadpool Two is yeah. you know uh, having a laugh at his gruff mm. character roles that he tends to play. He does tend to play like that kind of cowboyish role. Mm. Is becoming a bit cliche for him, but yeah. I thought he was had a lot of gravitas in this film. He plays it really well. It's not over oversaturated or anything like that. There's he's not that kind of hardened Saji with the heart of gold kind of thing. He actually has these human, these very obvious and open human moments. He's not, yeah, you know, he's not afraid of giving people opportunities. Like the just in the opening sequence where he's. Um, you know, just standing there being considered and measured and just looking at how the fire is moving and things like that. He's, he's someone who's very much in tune with himself. And that's something that, that Tommy me. Lee Jones never really does. <laughs> um, that, that, that part of the, that part of the film. And every time that happened, that reminded me of another film, mm. um, which really doesn't deserve to be mentioned in the same category as only the brave, because what? it's a much lesser film. And that was Twister. Oh shit! No, yes, you're right. It's like that Bill Bill Paxton's character is like sniffing the dirt. He's like, oh, <laughs> the hurricane's going oh, that no. way, you know. Oh no! That's You've right, ruined yeah. those moments for me. 
it's like they were kind of like mm, going that way. It's <laughs> like there's rain coming. How do you know? I can smell it. No, yeah, it's, it's a bit of, again. It's a bit of a trope. This film yeah. is tr- tropey. You're going to be watching it going, "What are these fucking guys on about?" I've seen all of this before, and like we uh, guarantee you've seen pretty much everything this film does. But I don't think you've seen it done as well as this. Yeah. I don't think you've seen the time spent on character. I don't mm-hmm. think you've seen the acting as good as this. We haven't even mentioned Jeff Bridges, who doesn't have a lot to do, but does it very well. I quickly mentioned Jennifer Connelly, who mm-hmm. has the meatiest female role in the film yes. um, and is does everything to an exceedingly she's high standard. Because she's Jennifer fucking Connelly. She, as George says, she's always good. She's got what, one Oscar. I think she was nominated for another. Mm-hmm. Um, what's she win for? Beautiful Mind, I think. Yes. She did, yes. Um, so she's uh, a top-class actress, and yes. uh, she doesn't age, I think. She's still... No. Still she, a, yeah, she's 50, and she doesn't look it. She looks maybe 30. She's. I think she might be a, a replicant, so... Yeah. yeah. You know, the Fort Kampf test for her. It's, it's um, just so weird when you look at her career and you just think of going back 21 years she was in requiem for a dream and she looked the same you go back even further you go to 1991 and it was the rocketeer and she looked the same and you go to even look looking at her first movie which is once upon a time in america sergio leone gangster movie very slow it's a beautiful piece. It's probably akin to The Irishman, I guess. I haven't finished watching The Irishman, so I can't say for, for certain. But even then, she's just a small version of who she is now. She's just physically grown up. Nothing else about her has changed. She was commanding in that role. She's commanding in every role. <laughs> uh, Miss Foxy B is attributing to her eternal youth to her involvement, perhaps, with David Bowie in some ways that would be Inappropriate considering her age at the time. <laughs> we don't endorse that kind of thing on this show. It's uh, this is a family show. Um, but uh, that would be potentially now we have our co host. That would be potentially be one reason. There is a theory out there that says the uh, the world has fallen apart since the death of David Bowie in 2016, and that's fair. I think there's some merit to it. Yeah, that's fair. So, Travis, um, unless you have anything else to talk about with Only the Brave. Um, I just want to give a shout out to Travis Kitch. Uh, Taylor Kitch, sorry. Taylor uh, Kitch. He, he kind of has a bad rep out in the mm-hmm. place because he's kind of associated with the failure of John Carter. You're in a John Carter fan club here, right? We mm-hmm. both enjoy this film very, very much and feel like it's desperately underrated, even though it wasn't perfect. Um it could have been better. It was still very good, I think. Yeah. Um, but Taylor kind of copped a lot of shit after that because, you know, I think he... I he had a really that... bad year uh, with a lot of bad luck that year because the same year as John Carter, Battleship came out, and that is just trash. Um, yeah, and he's a... Um, I think he's a model rather than an actual actor. If you look at his face, he's not... He's not Lawrence Olivier, okay? Uh, <laughs> no, the guy's not going to win an Oscar anytime soon. But he can fill a role. You know, he can fill a space if they're right. A little bit like Gal Gadot. I talked about it a few times when she's in. That's fair. Um, um, 
when she's 13 wonder woman of course they write a role when it's done properly unlike yeah. more recent one they, they write a role that specifically works for what gal can and can't do they did it for schwarzenegger 30 40 years ago write roles that fit into what schwarzenegger's skill set is don't put he's not good he's not like that scene in um last action hero to be or not to be not to be <laughs> all said that was a fair prince you know like uh, you're not getting i would pay to see schwarzenegger do hamlet but like um in back in the day but like we're not doing but i think taylor kitchen the right role and this is 100 percent the right space for him to be playing in he was really good i was really impressed absolutely agree absolutely agree he he played the balance of arrogant precocious ass that was bit of a bully especially to um, miles teller's character in the beginning but you slowly see more of the genuine side of him and just see how much of the first half of the movie is bravado and bullshit and he's just someone looking also looking for purpose and reason and an understanding and relationship and he plays it really really well um so kudos to taylor we we you're you're, you're you have some fans here Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, but I get to pick the next movie and this you was, do. this was kind of possibly the hardest one I've ever had to do because there's just so many options open to me, but yep. it was so tempting. I and did. You could have got, could have just taken us full circle back and gone back to Hudson Hawk with Andy McDowell. I could have <laughs> a Cranhawk day, which is the, you know, objectively Ooh. my favorite. I'm my surprised favorite. you're not taking us there, my man. That would be a boring jerk-off session for people listening. It would just <laughs> like, you know, like, oh, I really like this film. And the beauty goes, no, no, it's been done to death, like, especially by me. Um, <laughs> I was very tempted uh, to go deep, go with a deep cut on mm-hmm. Jeff Bridges. Uh, mm-hmm. And he was in Heaven's Gate, the famous, the famous Western flop. Uh, but that goes for three and a half hours. Um, I mean, like uh, once about time in America, that goes for almost four hours. Uh, and I'm like, I don't have that much time to watch. I don't think of that kind of attention span anymore to watch a four hour film. Um, then we could have gone something super great, like super fun, like the big Lebowski. Been a long time since I've seen the big Lebowski. Uh, I'm not gonna do it in the end. You have commitment issues. Tell me about it. I've got to pick a movie. Um, you know, like in amongst, like, I was super tempted. I should note, side note, to go back to Jonah Hex. Oh, I was saying to someone the other day, that's a film that should have been good. Yep, it should have been good. Great subject matter, good cast. Yep, what? And you listen to the story of Jonah Hex, you listen to tell you actually sit down and read what is the story of that character. Say, that's fucking cool. I want to see yep. that movie. Um, that I'm not going to do that to you, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I'm going to take us back to to my sweet spot, the mm-hmm. film I think where I first noticed, um, where I first noticed Brolin, Josh Brolin's abilities yeah. as an actor, and I Goonies. think <laughs> the Goonies. No, I had to watch that for the throwback. My other podcast available <sighs> now, wherever you download your good podcast. This week we review of this boy's life. But Wayne's World episode is now available for download. Um, no, not Goonies. The one that really made me stand up and go, ah, oh, Josh Brolin, eh? That yeah. Movie is Oliver Stone's W. Oh, good call. 
Good call. Uh, I have to Elizabeth go, Banks I, as well, right? Uh, it has Elizabeth Banks, James Cromwell's in there, uh, Toby Jones, Sandy Newton, Scott Glenn, Richard Dreyfus. Where's Chatham? I think you'll find a way out of this. Uh, oh. Mrs. Not the Death Machine. Um, you missed an opportunity for us to go to Mimic. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Thank you very much. Oh. Um, I, I, I will say this, though. I haven't actually Googled where we're going to be able to find this yet. I'm assuming it's a relatively recent film. Um, only, You'd um, think only, it would be available? I think it will be available, but if we can't, he said it, we're going to watch Mimic. <laughs> assuming i can find uh, if we can find that um it is available on amazon and youtubes youtubes of you okay well there you mm -hmm. go so um legally available which is what we like um mm -hmm. five dollars is steep to rent though but anyway yeah that's that's uh, a bit pricey i think that's the president's tax um, maybe it's the uh, the Oliver Stone tax. Like he needs to make his money up because no one sees his films anymore. Yeah, that's fair. Um, that will be our assignment. For nice. Now. Next week is 2008. Derby. Um, and of course, you don't know it's a film about George Bush. Yeah. Shall we move on to our other regular section? <laughs> a regular section for for people that tune in every week. That would be. Yeah. Marvel TV shows WandaVision. WandaVision, the penultimate episode. And I've just put the trailer for WandaVision in the chat again. I'm getting better at this, people. Slowly but surely. It's taken us 10 years. Um, and um, what did you make of this week's episode? Last week you felt a little ambiguous, about, ambivalent, I should say, about parts of it. You didn't enjoy some of it. Yep. Um, did you have any strong feelings about what you saw this week? Um, it was more or less what I expected, which I guess is its greatest sin, especially considering they've done so well at doing other things for the huge bulk of the show. But we are coming into the final uh, final stretch where it's much like Avengers Infinity War and Endgame. Endgame was basically all payoff, so everything felt good to watch. And so, like, yeah, getting all the answers to my questions and everything like that. This was a little too on the nose for a lot of it, but it did explain the why of the construction of the show in so many wonderful ways because it ties into the early kind of the early life of Wanda and Pietro, where they're watching all of those probably pirated dvds of all of the american shows that have come over i love lucy uh malcolm in the middle all of the ones that have been the design for all of the sitcom shows so it explains that and it very much explains a lot of what's kind of going on and it ties in the adverts that we see in all of them as well so like tony stark hang on i've got bloody page of notes somewhere yeah look at ah. a page of notes <laughs> this is all stuff that i've been working on all since the beginning but you know for, for a breakdown we had um the uh stark toaster in the episode one then uh, in the the next one was about uh Stroka watches and it was hydra and it was lagos um the yo-yo magic 
still don't quite know how that ties into it all. Um, and then we've got Nexus and all of that is really starting to come into it. And it's really revealing the, the stages of grieving for Wanda. And that's what it kind of really kind of this episode really honed in on. This is her, how she created a reality that is helping her cope and potentially eventually move on from the tragedy of her life essentially but now we've got this other element coming in of agatha harkness who my god katherine hahn she's great she's a really good actress and she's She's gonna be annoying yeah and she's that annoying character because this episode opens up with basically her origin uh being a witch that is um basically has been doing things against her coven and I'm guessing sentenced to death by the fact she's going to blast it with magic. And then she sucks it in and blasts it out and kills everyone around it. And that feeds into the, a lot of the theories of, okay, is she kind of, has she been manipulating Wanda to get her to a point where Wanda is essentially a tool for Agatha Harkness to bring about Mephisto, for example. Like, why did she encourage the creation of children and all of that sort of stuff? So it it feeds a lot of the theories that are out there. It, but it also kind of felt a little bit like, oh, people are really liking Wanda. We haven't given her enough of a reason why. Um, especially in the last couple of episodes, it's really been, they've been really nailing home the importance of the events of Age of Ultron, which, as we all know, is generally regarded as quite a misstep, um, particularly for how it handled the Maximoff twins. So I think this is a bit of a mere culpa for that. And just like, okay, here's a lot of your story. Side note to that is Vision very much gets shunted to the side in this episode. I think this was far and away the weakest episode of the series so far, like 100% by a country mile. And I know if you look at the ratings on IMDb, um, they still say the first two episodes are mid sevens. Last time I checked, this was high eights, I think early nines. Mm. Um, this episode, which I know there were so many 10 out of 10 ratings and I just couldn't understand it. And people were like, oh, this is far and away the most emotional I've ever been in the episode. I cried multiple times. And I'm like, Really? Yeah. Like, this episode was weak. Like, I learned nothing new in this episode. Everything in this episode I already knew. We all already mm-hmm. knew everything that happened in this episode, my, minus the rather obscure thing, the uh, the origin story of um, Agatha, which mm-hmm. didn't really give us much of information, really, other than the fact that she was evil then and she was all-powerful and killed a bunch of witches. And I'm like, how did she get so powerful? Yeah. Um don't don't bother telling us, you know, yeah. that might be useful. Um uh Miss Foxy Beast is people are conditioned to you a certain way of con- digesting media, I would agree. Mm-hmm. And hence that's why people thought the first two episodes were boring, mm-hmm. which makes me grumpy because they yeah. really, really weren't. Yeah. Um, but this episode I found really dull and like repetitive. So what did we actually learn apart from Agatha's um origin? We got a shit ton of um, uh, Scarlet Witch backstory, which we already knew. 
Yeah, we, is... we, had, we hadn't seen it fair enough. We didn't see the Stark Industries bomb, or we didn't see him watching the sitcoms and stuff like that. Mm. Really, did I need to know that? That's a one-shot thing, right? That's one-shot. Yeah. Hey, they watched sitcoms at home when mm. she was a kid. Fantastic. Move on. Because I got that. For, for that whole sequence, it came out much better, and it was one of the better scenes in Age of Ultron where they are telling Ultron about this unexploded bomb. And it just came out organically. It gave them reason, means, motive for their actions in Age of Ultron. And it was not just an exposition dump. It was... This whole episode was exposition. Yeah. Minus, you know, 5% at the end, start and the end. The mm. rest of it was 100% exposition. I didn't need it. I mm. already... I, sorry, I'm not an idiot. I, mm. I, got, I got all of that. I'm 100% on board and up to date with who who uh, Wanda is, why she's sad, you know, uh, why she's... I wouldn't say I'm up to date why she's doing what she's doing, and I still don't think I am. Mm. I mean, you can still say, oh, she's sad, she's mourning, she's grieving, and, and your explanation of the grieving process is an interesting one. Mm. But I, I don't think they necessarily gave us the, the actual answer to that question. Like, we don't really know how she's doing it. Yeah. Um, and we certainly, we, it certainly seems like we're not seeing much in the way of good forward progression of this so maybe they're going to feed that into her becoming a villain where she's not willing to um miss foxy b says she doesn't know i assume you mean she doesn't know why she's doing it why would anyone mm. i would hope for the creators of a show know why she's doing it if you're going to tell it unless you're in, unless you're damon lindelof or jj abrams mm. telling a story uh without starting and telling a story without knowing why your characters are doing what they're doing is a particularly bad idea. And the person on the other end of the line here knows exactly what I'm talking about because mm. he wouldn't do that with his characters. Mm. Now, the the thing that actually jumps to mind now, especially something else that I've been watching this week, this episode is titled Previously On. It feels so much like one of those stereotypical moments in an anime series where you've got a big fight and then suddenly it cuts back to a flashback to fill in the blanks for reasons of other characters involved in this fight sequence. It's like, okay, so this should have been told through the story organically because you're, you've not really done this for the rest of the show, for the, any of the rest of the show. And I get it that it was three episodes before we got the official breakaway to the, to the present world. Um, and it would have felt very, very disproportionate and weird to have these flashback moments. So then it makes you wonder, okay, do we actually need them? Answer is no, you don't actually need them. The only things that um, you kind of needed, I guess, was um, the how how she interacted with the the Mind Stone and the that sequence and how she why she survived if we need it we i don't think we did need it we all I, we yeah. know that hydra fucked around with mindstone and she got powers the yeah. actual visual of a mindstone coming out of a tesseract or the uh, mm. scepter and doing stuff yeah i mean I, I will put my hand up and go maybe it'll do something later on down the track that made mm. that scene important but yeah. as it stood i know how she got the powers they told us this already get yeah. on with the story the only other part that was revealed is she didn't steal vision's body she just created it and we were previously shown that and told 
in the show that she had gone in and stolen it. So that does actually serve the story because it makes you wonder why did um, what's, what's his face, face uh, director Tyler? Why did he lie? And, and I think we get some hints about it at the end where he he's got his other vision. I wonder whether Haywood could potentially be Mephisto. Yes, that would make sense. Um, He's manipulating all of this and tricking people in. Maybe, who knows? It's all up in the air. But it feels like there's still a lot of questions that are not going to be answered in the last episode. I'm there's been a story going around today which I shared on my Facebook page. Mm. You commented on uh saying you thought it makes sense, and I think you're right. That from a director going or a creator going, I think a lot of people are going to be disappointed for finale. And his mm. thrust being that um there are a million fan theories out there about what's really going on. Obviously, at most one of them can be right. Mm-hmm. Potentially none of them. Uh and hence everybody who's not part of that one fan theory that potentially gets it right. Is going to go, oh, it's shit, because they didn't happen to, you know, live up to the one, um, the one, the one thing I thought it would be. Um, so that's a fair way of putting it, but I really hope he doesn't cop out and go mm. and do basically nothing in the last episode and yeah. give it the half assed effort and, and go, well, you know, I'm just being creative and this is the story I wanted to tell, and people mm. were always going to be disappointed. Um, and, and and get a pass because the first eight episodes, the first seven episodes were fucking brilliant. Um, which I'll give it to him. Okay, uh, they were great, but um, he he really needs to give us a conclusion. And mm. I mean, like for a 30, 40 minute episode, which is what most of them have been. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say Miss Foxy B any climax endings are black. Like it's what you do. I would suggest they are the norm. Mm-hmm. No, almost nobody gets a finale right. The only one I can think of, off the top of my head, that completely nailed it was The Sopranos. Controversial choice. Um, well, I mean, unless you want, I mean, the people who didn't like The Sopranos ending mm. are those idiots who thought the first two episodes of One Division were boring. There's a 100% crossover of those people. They, so, um, if, if you thought the first two episodes of One Division were boring. Don't watch The Sopranos because it's too much for you. <laughs> um, but I it, like it's a 30, 40-minute episodes mostly, if I recall correctly, if I've been paying attention to the length of the episodes, unless they get a uh, a longer episode this week. It there was, are a, yeah. a lot of loose ends to tie up this week. Yeah, it's like, okay, what's going to happen with Vision? It, the, the, the stinger at the end with this white Vision, are we going to have a Vision versus Vision fight? Huh? No one... W- you know, Marvel is already very guilty of having heroes go against just evil versions of themselves, and that is that's a, a, a literal version of that potentially. Because how often is it that the clone is good? That's another sad trope. Um, Wanda versus another dark witch. First time she's ever re- referenced as the Scarlet Witch, and it was um, in almost like a moniker a title that is is known in the witching community so like you are the scarlet witch this is chaos magic so maybe there's some kind of um, actual genuine meaning to the the phrase scarlet witch 
Uh, Missy, WandaVision has not yet been put on for a season two. It's unclear, though it does apparently run. They have said in the past Mm. that it will click into or run into or connect to or lead into uh, Strange 2 2 and Multiverse Mm. of Madness. We've Mm. seen nothing yet to say exactly how. Uh, Well, there is, again, Disney are awful at this because they do it in all of their damn shows. Um, they put out a teaser for the final, the finale episode, and there's a Benedict Cumberbatch as Doctor Strange in it. Oh, you didn't know that. I haven't seen that. Yeah, it's right there, that? In the, right there. Right there. It's on YouTube. You just put Why would episode- you look it up, though? Why would you watch it, though? I was I, just I mean, curious. I've gone out of my way not to watch anything to do with the last episode. Someone said, this is a spoiler. This is the teaser for the last episode. I wouldn't watch That's it. That's the thing. It doesn't even say spoilers. Anything. But, this but if it's it's just, just if it's, mass planted out. But if it says the um, teaser for the last episode, I just wouldn't watch it. Mm. But I don't want to see any. I don't want to see any shorts, any teasers. Why would why nothing. they do it? They do it so often. And I mean, yeah, that's, that's, that's that is dumb, and um, you know, you've spoiled it for me, so I'm upset. Um, right. <laughs> um, that's why I'm upset because, like, I mean, this is stupid of Disney to do that, mm. but like, I just like I, I, w- I just wouldn't watch mm. a teaser for something for a TV show, yeah. Um, but, but um, it will fall into that, and so maybe that will preclude the need for a season two because the events of this show will lead into what happens in the new Doctor Strange film, yeah. Maybe because um, Wanda is apparently quite a big role in Doctor Strange 2. Um, but then you've still got what the hell's going on with Pietro. Is this Pietro or is it Peter? Um, uh, what's going to happen with um, Monica Rambo? <laughs> there's there's a lot of stuff that's just like, okay. Like um, the character of Darcy last seen at a crossing in a car. It's like, okay. Um, what I, I, you know, what, with your, you're leaving a lot of balls in the air, and you've just used a whole episode, a 47 minute episode, on to not progress anything. You've just exposition. Yeah, you've just gone, literally gone back and told us no new information. All of this has come through in the storytelling that you've done to this point. I guess the other thing to talk about, Miss Foxy, is um, as you are aware. Disney this week dropped some information about their release dates and schedule for shows coming up, mm-hmm. and there's nothing on there about a WandaVision season two. Mm-hmm. So that's not to say it couldn't happen. I would just say that means there's nothing on. It looks like there's nothing happening now. Yeah, it seems to me sort of like a lot of the scuttlebutt, so to speak, on online is that the ramifications of WandaVision are what. Um, cause actions in um, Doctor Strange in the Madness of the Multiverse or whatever it is, Multiverse of Madness, um, as well as a couple of the other shows. Like there's going to be some kind of um, recoil for it in uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier and particularly Loki as well. It's like, okay, considering the trailers that we've seen for Loki, I can see a similarity there. I can't really see much of it in the Falcon and um uh winter soldier things and yes it makes absolute sense if you're going to be playing around with altering reality the multiverse of madness it's right there in the title so there's but, also the um in in the uh the article we we're talking about today about the director saying he felt people would be disappointed in it mm. um matt shackman some of the quotes in there from him mm. Mm, they sound like someone who's one and done 
Yeah. Uh, the challenge as a director was unique. I'll never have a job like this again. This was the job of a lifetime to be able to draw on all these different skill sets. But what does hold it all together is it has a big heart. It's a love story. It's a story of loss. I think that resonates even more in this crazy pandemic that we're all trying to survive right now. Like, mm. Blah, 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 blah. I'm like, that just sounds like someone to me who's done what he wanted to do. And mm-hmm. that doesn't mean he won't come back. They won't get somebody else in. If they, of course. If he won a second season two, there'll be like a line a million hours long who want to do a season two. Of course, but, yeah. That sounds like one and done to me. Yeah, I think so. I think so. I'm still excited to see what is going to happen in the finale, but I feel like I wonder if this this is a tale of kind of two uh, tale of two stories kind of because nine episodes in the first four and a half episodes were just fantastic. They kept on building. They were fresh, unique alternative and just developing the story in a very intelligent way the characters were working genuinely everything was working really well and it feel like it's kind of all right we've kind of run out we've posited all of this and we don't quite know how to pull it all together in those last few episodes we need to just tie it off and i hope that matt is able to pull it together for this last episode but it just seems like i wonder if it was kind of like all right i've got this crazy idea for a wonder and vision show this is how it starts boom 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 boom, and this is how it ends it's like okay cool and then when it comes to actually production side of it it's like, oh we should have had more episodes or we should have told things differently and let's face it, Disney kind of have a track record right now of not mm-hmm. putting things on the whiteboard with the post-it notes and planning things out mm-hmm. ahead of time. Someone comes in with a cool idea and they go, that's a cool idea. You're hired. Um, yeah. now that said, that's not really Kevin Feige style. That's more of a film thing. Um, so I'd be surprised. Look, I'm going in with low expectations just because, like I said, from my perspective, people not – you know, time or not on a series, even a, a limited series like mm-hmm. this is rarely done well. Yeah. So um, even, you know, you know, multi-season shows like Seinfeld, for example, it's a comedy, I know, but, mm-hmm. you know, I thought the, the finale of that was kind of lousy. Um, mm-hmm. Breaking Bad's finale was good, maybe isn't it one, but um, maybe not as good as it could have been. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's hard to do this well. Yeah. And uh, when they set the bar, in my opinion, extraordinarily high at points mm-hmm. in time this season, um, it, it, it'll be difficult to see exactly how they do it well. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to be disappointed. Uh, I commit to not being disappointed and mm. giving it a shit if it just turns out that my fan theory from the other week was wrong. Mm-hmm. I think it sounds, it sounds cool mm-hmm. if um, it is Mephisto and Fantastic Four are involved. That sounds like a, mm-hmm. a really cool thing to add in, as a, even if it's a wink and a nod at the audience. But mm-hmm. Um, I, I won't be disappointed if it's good and doesn't do that. Yeah, I think, like I said in, in my post um, before, the, the problem is that this is quite easily, arguably, the most talked about show in at least a few years. And because it has been released episodically rather than a whole season dumped, it has given people time to come up with their own theories and invest in these theories and do that conspiracy theory thing of pulling out the information to back up these theories. And 
So they're never going to be able to satisfy everyone. There are going to be people who are going to look at whatever they come up with for the season finale and go, that was perfect. That was amazing. There are going to be people who are going to look at it and go, okay, they took the easy way out. And they're getting a pass already because, like, in my opinion, this episode from last week is the equal highest rated episode in the season, 9.2 on IMDb. Um, And I just don't understand. I don't understand that. It just it didn't. People seem to be super, super impressed. They said the words Scarlet Witch at the mm-hmm. end. And, like, I I don't get it. I just I don't understand why people thought it was so great. It was mm. – I, I knew everything. I knew yeah. it. I, I knew it. Yeah. Uh, and I even thought – I even thought kind of the Agnes – so the, um, the Agatha mm. reveal was kind of a bit shit. Um, yeah. You know, a bunch of lasers shooting at each other. Yeah. If the rest of the episode had been good, I would have been fine with it, I'm sure. But anyway, I'm being a little bit harsh. I still really love it. They've done this so well. Mm. Um, I've, I've enjoyed the series. It's been, mm. you know, in a, in, a, in, a, in a year where so little new stuff's being released. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And I do think that it's arguably one of the it's, – it's certainly the most invested in a Disney property that I have been in for a number of years um, because I went into it with low expectations and Disney have just been making movies to make billions. That's that's what they do. They make the safest movie possible. They put some bells and whistles on it and everyone feels good and they've made lots and lots and lots and lots of money. This at least has some inventiveness behind it, and I will absolutely give it respect and kudos for that. I think we've talked about it before. Marvel has had carte blanche to do that mm. for a little while now. We've talked before at length on the show about how Marvel don't make superheroes anymore, superhero mm. films. They make genre films with superheroes in them. Mm-hmm. Really clever, and that's why they've been able to differentiate themselves because DC is still making superhero movies like they were. Yeah, they're where Marvel were 12, 15 years ago. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we, I mean, we have now word out of um, Sydney that um, the uh, Four Love and Thunder is going to have uh, Melissa McCarthy in it. Yeah. As a cameo, at least. I think it's just a cameo. I don't like her. I don't like Melissa McCarthy either, but it could be a funny cameo. Mm. I'm just worried. I'm worried. I'm, I'm, I'm not enjoying some of the things that I'm hearing from, from Thor Love and Thunder. In Taika, we trust. In Taika, we trust, but I'm, I'm just saying. I just, I'm just more interested in the fact that, that Melissa McCarthy can get into the country for an extended cameo. Fair point. Like, I mean, if she's in a scene, a la what Matt Damon was in in, in Ragnarok, that's... Mm-hmm. Got to be what a week of filming, Max. Maybe. Mm-hmm. And uh, she's playing the Punch and Judy version of Help, of Help, Help, Help. The Kate Blanchett's character from the last one, whatever her name is, mm. um, Hella. Hella. Um, and that's funny. I get that. That's funny. Um, but I'm like, um, like mm. but it's really hard to get into the country right now. I think, like, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, it's a lot of effort to come into the country. You got to isolate for like two weeks to come in and like um to film like a week yeah and um even you know matt damon he was a cameo in this just because you know when you talk to when you see all the um the information about it it's like oh that would be funny if we could get him in oh he's actually in the country while we're filming come on over i assume they brought him out here specifically for it i don't no he was he was over here filming something for for um in thor ragnarok 
And oh right, sorry, you about Ragnarok. I thought you meant now. Now he's so. actually in the movie, and it's like okay, that's all right, fair enough. It's, it's a lot of stuff. I mean, that said though, I, I can understand it. Like if someone said you, you're Melissa McCarthy and her husband Ben Falcone, um, I, I'm probably pronouncing it wrong. Um, would you like to come and spend two or three months in Australia, considering what's been going on in the US with the virus? It's a fair point. I don't think I don't think you'd have to twist my arm very hard. And yeah, you know, Chris Hemsworth, have you seen his fucking place in Byron? Like, um, I don't know if he's staying. She's staying up there, but like, there are worse parts of the world to be in right now than Australia. <laughs> Maybe that's it. It's just it's like just a Chris Hemsworth house party. <laughs> Pretty much, like, hey, the virus is virtually eliminated here. Would you like to come over? Yeah, sure, mm. no worries. <laughs> it's interesting that they we shot that Liam Neeson film here in Melbourne. Mm. Late last year, I think. Um, it's quite a lot going on in the country right now. It's actually kind of interesting. I, I hope, I and I wish they were doing more to take advantage of it. Like mm. people in Australia do get kind of pissy, but like, why are famous people getting to come in and you know, and don't have to, you know, when you're Australians trapped overseas, and you're like, yeah, I can see that, but you let in a Liam Neeson, and then then a couple of hundred people mm-hmm. are at work for three or four weeks mm-hmm. you know and you let a you know you let a whole movie production in and they all come in and they, people work and you know it's generating money <gasps> generates money and, t- and they, t- they take that money and it is exchanged for goods and services um so it's, uh, it, it makes sense to a degree mm-hmm. i think i can see i can see the simplistic version mm-hmm. but i wanted to sort of transition off one division for a tick and mm-hmm. um and let's hope no one has COVID. i assume they yes that's a good point i assume they have to do some form of isolation. Mm. I think if you're a movie star, you get to isolate like not in a quarantine hotel. You get to isolate like somewhere fancy. Like you, you can hire a fucking mansion and you can isolate there. Well, from from the some of the stuff that's coming out with uh, Tom Cruise movie for I think it was Mission Impossible. Basically, he organized. Obviously, he's one of the producers of the movies. He just went and said, "Okay, we're essentially going to make a commune." that is the filming company did he not organize like a cruise ship or something something like that yeah he basically just paid for everyone to stay in this one location so it's like okay we've got our own little kind of base of operations where you can go and do things you can uh move around with everyone here you are not allowed out if you do anything i will scream at you (laughs) see he actually hired a cruise ship um for his Tom cruise uh, ship um <laughs> but yeah i see what you did there uh and he's not scratching for it though so that's true um, he'll, he'll, <laughs> he'll he'll be there's one way of making them all listen to his scientology bs pretty much yeah 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 that's a good point um yeah i'd be like oh i have to, cru- I have to isolate with that asshole um but it's, it's interesting that there, there's a lot of filming going on in australia and like i said a smarter federal government than ours would yep. be Increasing extra tax breaks, and uh, maybe they are, and I don't know it, but I severely doubt it because yeah. they don't rate the film industry, they don't rate the arts, yeah. um, and they'll be going out to people in the states going, "No COVID here." Mm-hmm. I mean, in fairness, Victoria, we've had our problems. Film up in Queensland, no COVID there. Mm-hmm. Film in Perth, no COVID there. You know, um, we'll give you a you know a nice cruisy, isolate in the mansion for your big movie stars and your directors and mm-hmm. stuff come and film shit here and we'd be doing really well because you still, I mean, either the things are getting better, but you still, it's still probably harder to film in Europe and the United States. Mm-hmm. 100%. But I, I did have a question for you. I wanted to talk yes. to you 
about the release this week of a bunch of uh, information about Marvel's streaming stuff, mm. properties, IP. It's, it's scheduled for its shows over coming years. Um, and so this year is going to be busy, right? So we're hearing, we obviously know Falcon and the Winter Soldier is coming up next, uh, next mm -hmm. month. Sorry, yep. later this month. Then we have Loki. Mm -hmm. um, I think we have What If. Miss mm -hmm. Marvel and Hawkeye scheduled for this year. I think so. Yeah, it's a it's a busy TV year for sure, and you've we've still got the release of uh, Black Widow movie that's just sitting there waiting, um, and we're they're pushing on with production for um, Doctor Strange as well as uh, the Eternals movie and uh, Shang Chi and the, uh, the the Ten Rings. So they're very busy, that's for sure. It's going to be interesting to see how it all shakes out because um, some of the properties I wasn't instantly familiar with mm. that I wanted to chat to you about. Mm. Um, let me sorry, I get the kind of funny icons um, that someone sent to me the other day of all the different things on it. Um, but um, Moon Knight, for one, is a, a, it's been kicking around for a while. Mm. I don't even know what Moon Knight is. I have never read anything about Moon Knight, and the way that it was pitched to me way back when, and I don't know how accurate it was, was essentially if Batman was gay and had superpowers. So I gay. have no clue about that. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> a gay superhero. Which should be... Uh, ballsy for one thing and especially ballsy for disney where let's say yeah. they're, they're not exactly the most overt of um promoting but different now they're taking some sideways steps so in australia and i don't know about the us they've got a disney plus have a side um called stars mm. which i think has their r-rated bizzo on it or they're not family friendly bizzo on it Mm. I, I don't know if that's something actually you have to sign up for. Um, uh, it's just part of now. Um, so currently Black Widow has a US release date of May. Mm. I'm calling shenanigans on that. I don't think it's getting released in May. I reckon it maybe it'll end up getting, depending on, I think depending because Disney have got uh, Raya and the Last Dragon, their new animated movie coming out very, very soon. And it's going into cinemas and on their Disney exclusive paid for premium service depending on how successful that is if it is more successful than mulan then we may very well see black widow do the same thing in may yeah midnighter and apollo miss foxy v says i think midnighter is gay uh, oh. midnighter and apollo but is a comic book series okay. um I'm well according angry. to imdb the synopsis for moon knight which is a six-episode TV series starring Oscar Isaac with Ethan Hawke as well. So that's a good duo right there. Um, Mark Spector is a former CIA agent whose life is saved by the moon god Konshu. So, okay. There you <laughs> go. Um, so uh, also coming up, according to, according to Wikipedia, mm. Uh, Shang-Chi is scheduled for a July release date this year. He's a mm. Marvel Films. Yes. Uh, and the Eternals, November, and the mm -hmm. new Spider-Man movie, No Way Home, in December. 
Mm. Now, the, the Spider-Man movie names just sound like they're the wrong way around, and it's just at, um, talking about a drunk night home. So Spider-Man, no way home. Oh, and then next, after about 10 minutes of wandering around, it's like, oh, I was so far from home. And then it, you get home, and it's like, hey, homecoming. I, I would I would enjoy seeing that Spider-Man film. So like being a cross between Spider-Man and uh, The World's End. Yeah, yeah, Simon <laughs> Pegg movie. Uh, yeah, Spider-Man goes for a big night out on the town and can't get it. Can't get an Uber. You can't assert the, the surge pricing. Oh my god! There's a lot. I, um, I just can't swing when I'm drunk. It's like I could totally. It, it just never happens to me. I swear to God. Like it's just. <laughs> It's just because I've been drinking. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so that, as of the film schedule for this year, moving on from there, uh, the Multiverse of Madness is next March. I didn't realise Sam Raimi's directing that. That's exciting. Yeah, and um, it's reuniting him with um, Danny Elfman for the music. And only earlier this week, uh, Bruce Campbell was teasing that he has got a role in Multiverse of Madness as well. Exciting about that. Uh, yeah. Uh, We've talked about Fall Love and Fun. It's day scheduled for next May. Mm-hmm. Black Panther 2 next July. Captain Marvel 2 next November. Uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp Quant- Mania in 2022. Mm-hmm. Guardians of the Galaxy 3. And there's also a Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special in amongst there somewhere, which is yep. interesting. I am um, so hoping it is just them taking the piss out of uh, the Star Wars holiday special. Surely. That James, Gunn, in, in James Gunn, we trust. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we have TBA Fantastic Four. Mm-hmm. As uh, well as TBA Blade. That's in amongst that. Of course, we know yep. that's going to happen with Mahashala Ali. Mm-hmm. Um, and it made a couple of people pissed off because apparently it's going to be PG-13 rated, not um, mature rated. They so, really ought to change that. I hope they change yeah. their lives in that. And you've got uh, um, Deadpool 3 in TBD as well. Um, in terms of a television stuff, um, and um, it, we have, we've talked about WandaVision with Falcon and Winter Soldier, Loki, What If is currently scheduled for mid-2021. Mm-hmm. I'm very excited to see what that looks like. I think that sounds fucking incredible. Um, I I'm excited for it because I always I love that elsewhere elsewhere stuff. Like I've talked about it as a way that they could do standalone movies for the DCEU stuff, which is cool. Um, and especially the as we get closer to the Snyder cut of Justice League coming out, he's been talking more about what his the follow up movies would have been like, and the next Justice League would have been set entirely in the nightmare world. And it's like, oh, that would have been awesome. That would have been so fucking cool. But no, it wouldn't be. Yes, it would. You just, would have done it. You're just a godless heathen. It would have been really cool. I like anyway. Zach. I just think he was maybe biting off a little bit more of getting chewed, but all will be revealed. I think this con- this month and two or three weeks, we're getting two weeks, I think, yeah, two weeks. I am. We might have to dedicate an entire episode to it because it's going to be very, very, very interesting. Four hours long, I think. Yeah, <laughs> but, I just like, I just like, I watched it again recently, and I'm like, I don't know how you fix all this, but good luck to you, my friend. Yeah, um, Miss Marvel. But the, sorry, yeah. um, but going back to what if, I'm curious to see if it's actually going to have any ramifications on the MCU or if it is just going to be all tease for stuff that doesn't necessarily ever have to happen because this is what if is coming out in the same move, movie phase 
as all of this stuff about multiverse. So yes, they could just go, oh, this is what's happening here, 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 and here. What's going to be curious, what I'm curious about is if they potentially, passing of Chadwick Boseman, it's very sad because he was very good as Black Panther. They haven't said anything about what they're doing beyond they will recast Black Panther. They haven't said who is going to be doing it or anything like that. I'm wondering if they're going to use a what if episode to sh- to introduce the new Black Panther, at least with the really, voice. It could be a really soft intro, right? So for mm. those who aren't for me, what if episode is essentially we have Jeffrey Wright mm. um, starring as the Watcher. Jeffrey mm. Wright is in Westworld and other Hunger Games, Boardwalk Empire. You'd recognize his face. Yeah. Um, uh, he stars as the Watcher who narrates the series. So essentially the Watcher is, think of it as somebody who is flicking between channels. And mm-hmm. when he's flicking between channels, he's flicking between different universes. Mm-hmm. And so he can see how the Battle of New York in the original Avengers movie turned out in infinite number of different universes. If, mm-hmm. you know, in, instead of um, the Hulk turning up to belt Loki in time, he missed the building or something. I don't know. And, <laughs> <laughs> landed next door um as you, you know he can flick but obviously he probably picks something a little bit more interesting than that mm-hmm. so the idea being that the watcher can actually revisit some key moments in the marvel cinematic universe and actually see how they might have played out differently mm-hmm. had things gone had one moment or another gone left instead of right yeah uh, at, at a high level, so we can we can have a look at what would have happened if Thanos had won the battle in Endgame, mm-hmm. for example. Well, that would um, probably be kind of boring. <laughs> it probably it probably won't be one of them. It probably won't be one of them. Um, you know, uh, any number of different things. It's an animated show, mm-hmm. so that means that we might actually be a good chance of getting it this year because animation's a little easier to do. Right now, than than um, remotely than than actual live action shooting. So maybe that'd be a nice soft intro, a little bit like in the holiday special. Go back to the holiday special of Star Wars. How they introduced Boba Fett. Um, you can introduce Suri. Let's face it, Suri's almost certainly going to be for New Black Panther. Um, and if it's really well received and people like it, you can go, oh yeah, that's exactly what's going to happen. We introduce it. If people fucking hate it. You've got a little bit of wiggle room to You've go. Got an escape route, yeah. Oh well, that was just what happened. At what if? It doesn't mean that's what's going to happen. You know, mm-hmm. um, you get a bit of wiggle room. Yeah. Um, one question. A couple of I had here. Uh, questions about one that I had never even heard of before was Ironheart. Yeah, I don't uh, know anything about that. And apparently, that is centered on Riri Williams' Ironheart, which is basically a female Iron Man. So that's going to be exciting. Okay. Um, well, that's what it looks like in the picture. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, and Armor Wars, which I think finally means War Machine's getting his own stuff. Maybe it would be nice for him to have a bit of a, a bit of a limelight um, taste, much akin to how Wanda has had this this show to really showcase her more. It'd be very nice. Um, to actually kind of show off Don Cheadle because he's a very good actor. And if you actually give him an opportunity, he'll do some really interesting stuff with that. And especially considering the kind of the patriotic 
element of him um, and the the way that he dealt with the Sokovia record and things like that and the, the ramifications of that, you've got a lot of juicy juicy potential there to to do something really cool. So I hope so. Um, and I think probably the one I was most looking forward to was the Hawkeye series. I think we've been asking for something Hawkeye-centered for a long time. I still think that Hawkeye and Black Widow should have had, especially after Endgame, I don't, I don't understand why they didn't just go tonk and go and hit the home run that was a Hawkeye and Black Widow movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, that was probably a political decision. Maybe, I don't know. Um, we'll see when a Black Widow film lands. It could be really good the way it is. I don't know. Um, but Hawkeye is a character who's been desperately, desperately, desperately underrated on in the, in the series. Not that Hawkeye... Okay, he shoots arrows, right? I mean, whatever. Mm. Um, but he was like, literally revealed in a fucking cameo in 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 Thor. Thor. The original. And you're like, hey, that's Jeremy Renner. He just got nominated for an Academy Award last year. Yeah, yeah. And, like he's in like a thirty second scene of like like uh, of Thor, and you're like, oh. Um, so and he's he's actually maintained that. Well, aside from having a complete breakdown um, between um, Infinity War and Endgame. The way that he's just there with like up in the the bird's nest, so to speak, and he's like, "You want to hurry up because I'm starting to root for this guy." He's maintained that quip, genuine characteristic throughout every movie where he hasn't been um, mind wiped or mourning in a very brutal way. And so it's like, "Come on, just give it, give him." Let his wings soar, please. Um, and I thought he's, I mean, the most interesting thing I did with him was that at the end of, um, in, in Endgame, mm. where he turned into this kind of like vigilante um, samurai kind of dude. Ronan, and yeah. Like, and I'm super disappointed. That's not what they're going to do, apparently, with a Hawkeye series. And mm. uh, it's going to be about handing the mantle of Hawkeye off to the character Kate Bishop, mm-hmm. who should be played by Haley Steinfeld, apparently. Um, yeah. And I don't know. I mean, it seems like it was, I mean, it, it, I don't know how to put this without sounding like a complete arsehole, but there seems to be a massive move towards making sure that their roster of superhero films is as diverse as possible. Mm. I, I I don't know how much of it is that versus how much of it is them trying to do in TV what they have been doing in their movies, like we said, about dressing up a buddy cop movie as a superhero movie. Um, they are doing very different things with their TV shows, and we talked about it previously, about WandaVision kind of having a Lynch-like Twin Peaks oddity to it, but never going full Twin Peaks or anything like that, but just going on that sort of like slightly more mature alternative mind mel- mind meldy kind of route. Whereas the trailers for um, Falcon and Winter Soldier are very much more of your classic Tom Clancy espionage kind of action series. And then you've got Loki, which Loki has definitely cemented himself as a bit more of a comedy character, especially in recent times. And having Owen Wilson in there, who is very much known for comedy and just the way that the trailer is playing, it sounds a bit more tongue in cheek, a bit more of a comedy kind of thing. And then you've got Hawkeye, which 
the trailer again still looks like it's aiming more for like a young adult kind of thing almost like you've probably not watched the, uh, the movie but um alex Ryder, the that kind of young james bond kind of thing where it's like oh it's 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 scary for if you're a 12 year old kind of the doctor who kind of crowd that age group of, like, it's scary but when you get older you don't really see that it's scary um and I then the other part is maybe they're trying to replace jeremy renner he doesn't Maybe. want to do it anymore. I don't know. He's yeah. done it for how long? Four was what nine years ago? Um, twenty twelve. Yeah. Um, maybe it's. I just. I guess like is you know they're replacing Hawkeye hmm. with a female version of Hawkeye. We have, have a female Thor. We're going to have She Hulk. We're going to have Ironheart, which is essentially a female Iron Man. Hmm. Um, we're going to have Moon Knight, who is apparently gay. Uh, I don't have a problem with characters having. It just seems a little forced, a lot very quick. Yeah, it's. I, I think part of it is the fact that the original Avengers was very male heavy, for one thing, and it was a credit to Scarlett Johansson that she was able to stand up to fucking Robert Downey Jr. Just. <laughs> knocking it out of the park every time as Tony Stark, as well as Chris Evans really coming into his own and getting this level of confidence in his ability. He's a good actor as well. Um, and then they're kind of going, all right, so we need to kind of counteract that because I think maybe they're looking back at that notorious bit in Endgame that we both detest of that final fight sequence, like where all of the female superheroes come together so that they can have a lineup of themselves. It's like, no, that's not how it fucking was. You were just showing us a battle where they're all over the goddamn place. They're not going to all just suddenly uh, converge. If it feels forced, I'm not interested. Yeah, um, it's, it's and it, you start to put people off. But I mean, like, I'm mm. desperately do to want to say I, I don't have a problem. If they do it organically, it's going to be fine. I just disappointed in that one particularly because I feel like if his show is about him handing the, the, the mantle over to somebody else, when he never really got a chance to actually assume the mantle in any yeah. meaningful way, it's a bit disappointing. I was sort of hoping a Hawkeye show would be all about where did he come from? Why is Hawkeye really good at shooting arrows? Maybe um, we actually get to see the Budapest thing that comes up multiple times between conversations with him and Black Widow. Um, Miss Foxy, why would you have one when you can have two movies? He's not getting it to TV show. I guess you make a fair point, but um, I, I mean, you're right. It probably makes more financial sense to split it. But mm. I just felt like, I mean, either one was screaming for a Black Widow movie ten years ago, like you know, almost ten years. As soon as she was in there, I'm like, I want a Black Widow movie. It was fucking Disney who said people don't want female-led superhero films until mm-hmm. you know Wonder Woman made all the monies. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just sort of. Those guys, I mean, that they, they have so much chemistry on screen together, um, Jeremy Renner and Scarlett Johansson and those characters, and we have a hinted at backstory through the Budapest thing mm. and, and with that fight scene between the two of them at the end of Endgame. It just, I don't understand it. It was like it just made sense that you would tell the story of mm-hmm. why why Hawkeye and Black Widow were so desperate to die for each other. Yeah. Why yeah, he doesn't he, want to see that story? Yeah, absolutely. And from the from the looks of the trailer, um, it's really sad that 
I don't think we're going to get any of those answers in the Black Widow movie because it definitely seems to be... It's an origin story, right? Yeah, it's an origin story for Black Widow before she meets Hawkeye, or maybe it ends with her meeting him and we'll get the explanation as to how he was able to turn her from being this independent spy um, to being to working with shield maybe i don't know but all will be revealed in time i'm very hopeful that that may date comes about and um yeah i am thank you for you i'm glad i feel a little better that i know nothing about these properties and neither do you um i do have the encyclopedia the marvel encyclopedia at the back and i don't know if i mentioned it but i did get it out last week and agatha harkness is not in there so it's of limited value at times ah but then if you look at the credits it says agatha all along yeah yeah freaking me out man <laughs> the, the, the one the one for one thing that confused me the most in the in the list of things that i saw was a movie called i am groot <laughs> I, I kind of hope that it is literally just an ep uh, like a a film or a short film that's just set entirely on groot's home world and it's just brilliant storytelling through through visuals and all we ever see uh, or hear is them saying i am groot and how often do you reckon how many ways do you reckon they make vin diesel say it like how, well, how long was, is he on set there was something that vin diesel said he he apparently said that he had to do like over a hundred different variations of i am groot for the first guardians of the galaxy that would take a couple of days I reckon so, and I and, and I imagine Vin Diesel doesn't come cheap. And you, <laughs> I, I would kind of hate to be the voice director for that scenario because Vin Diesel is a bit of an intense guy, and so like, okay, Vin, can you uh, just uh, say I am Groot? So I'm like, I am Groot. And so I'm like, cool. Now, can you say it like you are hiding a secret? I'm like, I uh, hmm, um, I am uh, Groot line <laughs> i am family no damn it wrong movie <laughs> word in the street is he got paid 54 million dollars vin for, diesel for guardians of the galaxy volume 2 now that is obviously up for debate but that is a figure i have found oh. on the internet so it is quite obviously indisputably true <clears throat> well if you find it online then yeah i mean <laughs> I didn't make it. I didn't put it online, but yeah. Um, if you if he said I am Groot a hundred times, someone better with maths than me can figure out how much that is per I am Groot. Um, <laughs> uh, it's a TV show, by the way. There is apparently a show, a, a Marvel TV show called I Am Groot, um, which will be you were interesting if it was just like a silent movie type thing or something. At the um... or it's it's literally the cheapest thing that they've done, and it's just every scene that we have seen Groot in, but it's from Groot's point of view. So he actually has these full long sentences that he speaks, but everyone else is just saying, "I am Groot," <laughs> or is everyone called Groot? Um, <laughs> was it, wasn't there an episode of um, Futurama where everyone's got this Markla? No, was it? Was that Rick and Morty? I can't remember. Um, yeah, that's Rick and Morty. Um, but everyone's got a, everyone in the alien planet's got exactly the same name. Um, <laughs> hey, Mark. Hey, Mark. <laughs> pretty much. Like, but it made sense to them. Um, 
but anyway, uh, I just, I just thought we'd, um, uh, actually, it was, sorry, it was South Park. Ah, there you go. Uh, it's called Starvin' Marvin in Space is the episode. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so good. I'm going back, I'm going back way back. This is 1999. Um, oh, so, yeah, that makes me sure old. That makes so me the people, old. the people I was working with at university yesterday weren't fucking born yet. Yeah. So That's... for them, for them, that episode is like the fucking Flintstones. <gasps> Oh no! Stop putting it in context like that. Mind blown. Horrible. That is horrible. Um, oh. It's a slightly less PC version of a Flintstones. Oh, oh goodness me! Only slightly though. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you go back, uh, the cat, you know, fucking the Muppets is on Disney Plus now with disclaimers yeah. at the start. Yeah, I know. It's so weird. Um. So, you know, they maybe they. <laughs> Maybe I haven't watched the Flintstones in a long time. It wouldn't surprise me if there was some shit on the Flintstones that you just yeah. wouldn't do today. Yeah. Now I want to just quickly talk about episode three of Clarice on Star. Ah, is, is it getting any better? It's finding its feet, and it's an interesting. Um, it's an interesting set of feet that it is choosing for itself because there's the um, episode three is called are you all right and it's essentially centers all around the fbi questioning the suspect for this supposed serial killer and it's it lands in a very interesting position where it's becoming more of a serialized show there's definitely more of the story tying in like i said at the end of uh, last week when i was talking about episode two it felt very much divorced from it and it was more of an opportunity to just grow the characters without having to worry about serving the grounder story this one comes back to that main story for sure and um the the character work that they put in episode two definitely pays dividends in this episode and it's it's pairs its time between them interviewing this supposed serial killer as well as um uh mandatory psychological evaluation that clary starling is still going through because of the hannibal lecter stuff and stylistically it kind of feels a little bit like mind hunters light where obviously being set in the 80s the technology kind of feels dated and the the, the way that they're set the, the, they're setting the the show and lighting it and just everything about it very much feels like that kind of slightly antiquated detective fbi show it feels a little bit like early days of the x-files kind of thing where it's all suits and the stark lights and things like that it's it's very of the time which fits very nicely um and the psychological games that the characters are starting to play and how each character is trying to kind of psychoanalyze everyone else and how they're they're interacting it's it's getting interesting it's taking too long to get here but it is slowly developing into potential particularly if the things that happen in episode three um much more of a conspiracy element comes into it in a much grander way, um, but not, but still leaves loads of questions. As like, okay, 
I'm starting to get some theories on who could be involved in this and who who could be the 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 prime targets and things like that but it's still not quite enough and it's it's frustrating that I'm going to watch episode 4 when I said 3 was it it was good enough to keep you on board for one more it's good it's just good enough to keep me on for one more and I hope that episode 4 finally really starts that proper ball rolling of story development and world building because it feels very um actor's studio right now you've got these actors doing overall good performances and fleshing out interesting characters but the rest of the world seems kind of devoid and empty and it's like okay now put them in a scenario and see what happens see how they are changed by the world and how the world changes them and I hope that we get that because it's a 10 episode show. We're getting to slow hit with, you know, a third of the way through. And it very much feels like the first third of a movie where it's like, okay, we're setting everything up. Like, okay, that's fine. But each episode is an hour long. That's three hours that you've been setting things up and we still haven't really shown anything. Get to it now. Now you need to start punching and I hope that they can do it because there's a lot of good elements going on here. Whether they can actually pull it together, I don't know. Hopefully I'll have a clearer idea of it at the end of episode four. One thing I am enjoying is the fact that I don't know really who the bad guy is. I haven't worked out how it's going to end. I've got some theories. So maybe playing the power is waning. Yeah, they're, they're, they're definitely holding their cards very, very close to their chest. I just hope it's that and not... We don't even know either. <laughs> ah, you have to watch next year. Because, and you know, we'll we, we don't forget that this has got Kurtzman on it, so it could very well be... Yeah, we don't know how it's going to end either. And? Oh, they're going to go to an alternate dimension. <laughs> Kurtzman was responsible for Lost, if I'm not recording. I'm not responding. I'm going to get that wrong. He was one of them. Mm-hmm. One of the, uh, the worst, the worst of, one of the worst offenders mm. for setting up an intriguing premise and then going, oh, we don't have any shit. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know. <laughs> yeah. And then fucking it right up. Um, so um, I haven't got around to it again, but um, I haven't been. Uh, but how could I win Punky, the new series of Punky Brewster? It's on stand. <sighs> oh, I'm going there. No, you're not. No, you're I- not. <laughs> I can I can stop this stream anytime I want. <laughs> Challenge accepted. <laughs> it just we're just gonna have uh, airing issues suddenly. I want to talk about punky. Maybe <laughs> next next week it'll be like, who the fuck told me to do this? <laughs> I Remind him, everyone. It was him. I Selfie. could have been staring at the wall. Miss mm. Foxy B disapproves of my choice. <laughs> I'm gonna do it anyway. Like, you know. <laughs> it, how bad can it be? I used to watch that show when I was a kid. I kind of feel like we are we need a press gang remake remake. Don't ruin that. Uh, you know what? I know a lot of people a lot of people are dedicated to memory of that show. I never liked it very much. I was more of a Degrassi guy. Mm, fair enough. Fair enough. I did, did you get in did you get that in the UK? Did you get was it all British telly? No, we got other stuff like we got neighbors and um, no, not neighbors. Um, yeah, neighbors. Um, we got Shortland Street. That was my jam. 
Um, that was New Zealand, right? Yeah. We got, I think Miss Foxy, uh, Miss Foxy B is from New Zealand, so she would be very familiar with Shortland Street. <laughs> um, we got uh, Degrassi um, and obviously stuff like Beverly Hills 90210 that just seemed to go on forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Um, yeah, we got quite a lot of it. It was just, it would always kind of randomly be on some random thing. Like a lot of it came when we suddenly got our fifth terrestrial channel. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Channel five. It was basically weird import stuff and cheap light porn. That's that good. what it was. <laughs> um, uh, you guys didn't have cable. Uh, well, there was um, satellite or what is it, Sky? It was Sky, but uh, we couldn't afford that. And Long Melford only invented electricity in 1992. So, <laughs> Melford, but it doesn't close. So, no, it doesn't close. It's true. But it did run a newspaper article when it, <laughs> when it finally got its first ATM. <laughs> <laughs> it was newsworthy. Does it have traffic lights? It does have traffic lights. <laughs> and an ATM. It's a virtual yeah. metropolis. It, it's a virtual Vegas, man. <laughs> <laughs> the city that never sleeps. Um, <laughs> it doesn't close. <laughs> it, it says it on the, it should be on the sign out the front. Be like, <laughs> we never close. Um, um, and it's interesting. Like, I mean, like, I, I, I was watching. This is, I was thinking of asking this. And this is a very, very random question for George that has very little to do with our normal topics of interest. I was what occasionally I will watch if I'm just um, doing something else. I'll have a TV on and I'll just put it on YouTube. Mm. And there are people who do videos who just walk around various cities of the world with high def cameras. Okay. And you can just like walk through London's West End, walk through Tokyo. Um, I can't travel. Mm-hmm. We, we're not going to be able to travel anytime fucking soon. Um, so this is as much as as close as I get to traveling is watching other people walking around. This is so what I would do. You're doing it on your VR. You probably could. Um, uh, I, I actually did watch a show the other day, which was in VR. It was an interview with the guy um, behind um, Ready Player One. Okay. Um, but you, but you can actually there's actually an app on your on your 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 Oculus you can watch movies on your um on, on your VR but I didn't really feel like watching World War Z again I know you'll be shocked to hear that um, <laughs> I didn't want to pay to see that movie again <laughs> it's a good point I should see if they're on if they're on um on on the app but I'm oh, sorry on my Oculus but um I find it I find it relaxing that's what I do when I go to a foreign city I just go that way. Yep. Get and I just, start, I just start, start walking. And especially if it's like somewhere about internet access, I can always get an Uber back to where I'm going, um, hopefully. Um, so, <laughs> you know, I just go, let's just go that way for an hour and see what's there. Mm. Uh, I'm not visiting Pakistan. So, you know, like I'm not going to get murdered probably. Um, and that's what I would totally do if I was somewhere like London. I'd just be like, let's just start walking. So yeah. I do watch these channels of these people walking around parts of London. I find it fascinating that it, they're walking around London mm. during lockdown because it's fucking dead. Mm. It's like 28 Every, days later. Everything's shut, no one on the streets. Uh, and you'd probably find it more interesting than me having lived there. Um, but one thing that has shocked me and appalled me and made me wonder out loud, 
do people really do that? Parking on the side of the street in London. But people are parking nose to nose. Yeah. Like some, some people are parking that way. Some people are parking that way. Like, yeah. what is up with that? Yeah, you don't have to park in the same direction. That's weird. I've never seen that anywhere else in the world. Uh, it was weird seeing it when I came over here and it's like, oh, that's weird. It makes sense. You park on the side of a street you're driving on. So in the UK, you drive on the left like we do here in Australia. Yeah. Um, should you, you drive on, on the right-hand side and you see a park on the left, you just whoop. You go, across, you go over the wrong side of the road and scooch yeah. into it. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. What a world we live in. Yeah. I, this is Today I've learned something. London is not a place for parking, though. I, I would imagine not. I would imagine yeah. not. He does. The guy, he's called, the channel I watch quite regularly is called The Watched Walker. Uh-huh. And he does walk around some very fancy neighborhoods. And I particularly noticed this. I think he was walking around the, the Portobello Road. Oh, yes. Uh, there's a lot of money there. You can smell it. And you just look at like, the houses are beautiful and like the cars are all very fancy. And you're like, yeah, I don't think I could afford to walk down that street. They'd probably have me arrested. That's the kind of place where you, you know, that people like Damon Albarn, Jude Law, Daniel Craig, those guy, kind of guys, they all live there. And so that's where you can go to meet celebrities is what you're yeah. saying. Yeah. You're just walking down the street and like, that's where I met Damon Albarn. That's where I met Jude Law. They were just walking down the street. And it's oh. like, oh, I met someone at a party this weekend, and this is this, this is topical. I met someone at a party this weekend who used to be a he's a builder, works in the construction trade, mm-hmm. and he used to live and work in London for a little while. Oh yeah, and guess whose house he ended up working on for a while, helping build. Mine, one Alex Garland. Oh, and oh, he was telling me he had an opportunity to be one of the extras of the zombies in 28 days, but he was traveling soon, so he didn't get to do it. Um, but the interesting part of the story is mm. I was saying, Alex, Alex Garland, oh my God, I love Alex Garland. I really enjoyed his book, The Beach. The book of the beach was much better than the film. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I think, I think you liked Ex Machina. I know I did. Um, Annihilation was fucking weird, but it was good. Mm-hmm. Um, Alex Garland's a real talent, and I was like, yeah. Alex Garland, one of my favorite stories in cinema is he got paid a million dollars for his script for Halo, which yeah. is one of my great unfilmed things I would love to see. Mm-hmm. And the person I was talking to was like, Oh, yeah, he totally did because he told us that's why we were building this house for him. This is the <laughs> house that Halo built, <laughs> the house that Halo built. I love yeah. it. And I was like, oh, that's why I've just read it somewhere. And it's like, oh, no, no, that's definitely true because he told us that's where he got the money to build his house. Jesus. Oh, that, so that, this that's... is very irrelevant to what we normally talk about, but that's something we've talked about on the show years ago, but I would love to have seen what that script looked mm-hmm. like. Yeah, yeah. It's probably available on online now to, to actually read. And I'm, I'm curious to read it. I'll, I'll see if I can actually track it down. I, I was talking to him, a, a person at the party about that. I'm like, I'd love to read the script and see what it's like. He's mm. like, well, I know what his address is. If you want to go there and break in, it's probably in a filing cabinet somewhere there. <laughs> I'm like, legally, I, I, I would I would like to read it legally. I'm like, if you give me his address, I'll write him a sternly worded letter. <laughs> I'm sure he probably can't because 
probably owned by Microsoft. And I think I read recently that they're doing a TV series based on Halo now. So, well, there's there's been a lot of stuff. Like there was a podcast series that came out in advance of Halo Five, and um, yeah, it's uh, two days ago. Halo TV series reveals new look at the Warthogs and Marines. There we go. Now, changing subject, I have some homework for us both. Mm. Mm. I think that we should um, get ourselves to cinemas to watch Doug Lehman's new movie, Chaos Walking. This is Tom Holland, Daisy Ridley, and directed by Doug Lehman, the man who seems to make perfectly average to good underrated movies. And you think about Edge of Tomorrow, Born Identity, Jumper, Fair Game, Swingers. And I think it's a, you know, fair that maybe we should actually, um, you know, go and see one of his movies because he's, I think that he's made some, uh, some fun stuff. And it's been interesting kind of launching stuff. Like he, he launched the, the Born saga, shall we say? He's and, showing it the cinema up the road from me. Yeah. So um, I think I'll have a better chance of seeing it more easily than you will. Oh, um, this cinema's where I work. I was going to say, you have to drive home afterwards. I get to walk 10 minutes home. I'm going to ask you a favor, though. I, I'm going to do it uh-huh. that you are not to tell me anything about it. I will say nothing. Storm. I will see it, and I will go. It's, it's, I remember the last time you and I went to a film in a cinema we knew nothing about. We went to Melbourne Central to see a movie. Yep. We didn't plan it, and we just rolled up. We're going to see a movie, and yep. then we were like, "Oh, there's nothing on," and we ended up having to see the grey. And you're like, mm, "Oh yeah, it was really bad." <laughs> like I don't even know anything about this movie, and I hated it already. <laughs> All right, well, I will keep stump about chaos walking and uh we will uh because you know it's i think it's important that we support some movie uh cinemas and you know it's nice to be able to actually go and see something new at the cinema i was just gonna say it's nice of you to give me homework when i've got real homework to do thank you (laughs) (laughs) that's your choice man (laughs) cool your choice i have to read things now for school yeah well you chose it. <laughs> yes, what you get for choosing to better yourself. Yeah, how dare you, you try and get smarter? <laughs> how dare you get smarter? How dare you take advantage of things? Yeah. Okay, no, I, I, I do. I, I actually enjoy going to see. Obviously, if you didn't, if you, people that didn't watch last week, seeing Promising a Woman was very enjoyable. Mm-hmm. If nothing else, apart from the fact that I liked the film, it was just nice to be back in the cinema again. Oh yeah. For the first time since I think I saw Tenet, maybe. October. Mm-hmm. And I, so, I really like the fact that you have to socially distance as well. It means there's less people in the screens too. Which is what we did. We were doing this years ago. Yes. Okay. Where are the least people in the cinema? Over there, I guess where I'm exactly going to book. Um, <laughs> if I had to sit next to somebody at the cinema, I'd be like... Mm-hmm. The only time I did it willingly was when we saw Endgame and I had to sit in the front row. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that. There's, but there's the golden rule. There is one person that you never, ever sit next to when it's a movie neither of you have ever seen before. Shay. Who's that guy? Why did they kill that guy? Patria's like, I'm kidding with you. It was then. <laughs> it wasn't really with them. 
It's a good thing they killed him, man. Uh, Patricia <laughs> has got better. I will. I. I. She has got better. I think it's because time. she's been shamed enough. And Shay still has no shame. <laughs> yeah, I, and um, I think if it, I, my regular one division viewer, I actually have to pause one division, and you know who you are. Uh, <laughs> and and, and uh, so we have to talk about what we've just seen. Mm. All right. Well, on that note, ladies and gentlemen, I think that brings us in. We've had a long, long episode. We were talked uh, talked a lot about WandaVision and the surrounding MCU entirety. But um, thank you very much for joining. Thank you, Missy, uh, Miss Foxy, for joining us for so long. And anyone if who's you can uh, jump in and listen, if you want to ask questions, like Miss Foxy can jump in our yes. streams at seven thirty p.m. Australian Eastern summer standard time standard melbourne time, time whatever yep. time you can google it 7 30 to 8 o'clock usually we'll be live on twitch we will be on the facebook we'll be on the youtubes jump in and you can ask us questions as well and interact yes. with your charismatic hosts well you're the you're you're the you're the talent we've already established this it's a burden that i have to bear hey you do it well though, my friend on that note ladies and gentlemen thank you very much just a quick rundown of what we talked about this episode our chain movie was only the brave and we will be following josh brolin to 2008's w we um had our thoughts on one division episode eight um the penultimate episode as well as the slew of marvel movies that are coming out because disney are determined to own and produce everything under the sun um, I talked a little bit about episode three of Clarice on Stan. And then we uh, set ourselves some homework for watching Chaos Walking, the new Tom uh, Holland and Daisy Ridley movie. Uh, next week, teaser for everyone, I'm going to be talking about Demon Slayer, um, a very, very popular anime in the world at the moment. And it is now, season one is now on Netflix. So that is what I will be talking about next week. Uh, well, uh, that's something for all of us to look forward to, uh, anime fans especially. Yes. Thank you very much. I'm going to let Travis go because he's got school tomorrow. I don't. I really <laughs> well, don't. You just I ruined my tomorrow. joke. Shut up. <laughs> Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. Good night. Good night. Thank you for listening to Armchair Producers. We are a weekly podcast every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time. We appreciate your support. Thank you for listening to our podcast. And if you'd like to follow along live, please go to twitch.tv slash thefriedbrain, where you can actually also donate to us, as well as watching us live on youtube.com slash friedbrainproductions or facebook.com slash friedbrainproductions. Thank you, and see you next time. Bye-bye.